Okay, um, we'll just now invite uh, Professor Rob Foley um, for a table. So Professor Foley is a Leverkusen Professor of Human Evolution at the Department of Archaeology and Anthropology at the University of Cambridge. A post he has had since 2003, he's also a fellow of the British Academy. The Leverkusen Centre, he co-founded with Martha Mirathon Lark, is a research centre devoted uh, to multidisciplinary approaches to human evolution including biology, archaeology, genetics, and behavior. An international renowned scholar in the areas of human evolution, and in particular the ecological basis for patterns and processes of the evolution of human behavior. His work covers topics in social evolution, speciation and extinction hominins, <coughs> hunter-gatherer ecology, the origins of modern humans, the application of evolutionary models uh, to human evolution, historical, historical linguistics, and human diversity. His work has primarily taken place in Africa and is currently undertaking research in the Central Sahara and Kenya. Among his, amongst his most famous publications are Principles of Human Evolution, um, Another Unique Species, Patterns in Human Evolutionary Ecology, and with co-authors, his most cited papers are Developmental Plasticity and Human Health, and Towards a Theory of Modern Human Origins, Geography, Demography, and Diversity in Recent Human Behavior Evolution. Thank you for being here. Firstly, I kind of say thank you very much for organising and congratulations on um, setting up this biological anthropology network, speaking from what Peter calls the other place from Cambridge. Uh, we are, of course, absolutely delighted to see Oxford returning uh, because its primary role in life is to employ Cambridge graduates. <laughs> uh, now, I, I, I think the other, I've been invited, I, I think I've been around for so long now. Uh, that I've seen all the ups and downs of biological anthropology. Uh, I think my first appointment was in 1977 uh, in Durham, uh, and as a lecturer in biological anthropology. Uh, and, and I can see the, how uh, the subject has grown massively. I mean, my first appointment, uh, the, the antagonism towards biological anthropology uh, within an anthropology department was quite intense. Uh, and life could, could be very difficult. And that, I think, has gone and has changed over the years. Um, and then when I moved to Cambridge, uh, when I arrived there, uh, we got, if we were lucky, two or three uh, undergraduates studying it a year. And now uh, our classes are 20, 30 students uh, a year. So we've seen the growth of the, of the subject. But this, of course, raises the great sort of paradox of why is this such an important, such an interesting subject? And yet, institutionally, it is so fragile. It comes, it goes. In Cambridge, it was very strong a few years ago. It's now, you know, struggling to survive. Oxford's had this. UCL has various ups and downs. So all these things. What is the fragility? And I think it's actually. I was reading Geoffrey Harrison's history of biological anthropology uh, uh, before, before I came. I thought I'd better know something about what happened here. Um, and he makes a very interesting point that very, very few biological anthropologists have ever trained in the subject. And I guess he's looking. Probably it might be true of this entire panel here uh, as to whether we've ever actually studied biological anthropology. And that, of course, creates a diversity uh, which is its strength. Um, but that strength uh, is also its weakness. I don't want to come on a sort of Shakespearean tragedy about this, but uh, uh, you know, the idea of tragedies is that, is that the, the downcome of the hero uh, comes from what are both his strengths and his, his weaknesses. And that's true of biological anthropology. The weakness comes we don't have a strong core discipline. We come from everywhere and tackle the problems and questions we're interested in. And that's what gives it its strength. 
but it gives us enormous institutional weakness and fragility uh, and, and, and makes us uh, subject to every uh, prayer uh, head of department or head of school or vice chancellor uh, who's looking for a quick cut. Um, not that sort of cut. Um, so that's why I think a centre, a network, something is fluid, and I would recommend uh, a sort of guerrilla academic tactics, not the primate guerrilla, the other thing. We, we move quickly and rapidly around the academic field, uh, taking up the opportunities that don't have large battalions that can be picked off uh, in difficult times. But having said that, there must be a core to the subject, and what is that core? And I think it's very straightforward, it's evolution. It's the fact that we are the product of evolution, uh, and that evolution, our past, uh, I, I felt that, you know, Shelford did a wonderful job telling us about the recent past, but there's a deep evolutionary history as well uh, in, this, in, in this field. But of course, it's not, the whole point is that evolution didn't stop with the appearance of modern humans. We are still evolving, subject to natural selection. Even Peter will probably accept a little bit of natural selection in there somewhere. Um, uh, we are still uh, adapting to our environment in all sorts of ways. So evolution is the core of, of it, and I would, you know, in terms of the vision forward, I would, I would say, well, we should never forget that. And, and the third point I would just make uh, in, 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 in passing is that, you know, why is this, why is this subject so interesting? I mean, this is a sellout, and, and as much as I would like to think it's because of, you know, the speakers on call, it's not, we're all you know, pretty unknown. What you come for is think biological anthropology, human evolution, it is so interesting. What is it that makes the subject so interesting to everybody except vice-chancellors and deans and we can, you know, fill rooms, we, we fill them a room two times over. We could have done having Richard Leakey in Cambridge last, last week. Um, and I, I think I'll give you two reasons. One is it's such a global, it's the only subject that really looks at humans in global and comparative perspective. And that's what makes it so exciting. You know, we really are a global and comparative, everything from us in the animal world to <coughs> and the And the other, you know, and that I think creates the very thing that, that, that makes the subject so difficult. And that is we have to deal with the tension between, on the one hand, we're desperately keen to show that we are just part of an, the animal world and that we are animals and, 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 and you know, there's continuity and gradualism there, but we're also desperately keen to understand why and how we're so unique. And the answer is we don't know. And the phrase I use sometimes is to, is to refer to what I call the unknown boundaries. The boundaries between what do we share with the animal kingdom, what, what, is, uh, what is subject to the ordinary biological rules, and what are the things that make us different. And I challenge anybody to say they know the answer to where those boundaries are, because that's what biological anthropology is trying to solve. And we will be endlessly having little battles along those, those boundaries, and that's what we should, we should be doing. And I wish Oxford the best of luck in finding their little, you know, foxholes along these boundaries and, 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 and exploring them and pushing forward. So I will stop there and just say, I mean, we've, we've heard three talks, I mean, very different things. I think Charlotte, you know, terrifically had that phrase, I think, that the dead touch the, let the dead touch the living. And that's so true of how you know, it brings that, that in, and also how we have to think about the impact of our work on, 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 the, um, uh, uh, on, on the world in which we live and the country in which we live. And Peter took a very different approach and said, I think we, we need to be much more pluralistic in our approaches to evolution and how we treat biological systems. Uh, and also I think showed, everybody showed here that there's so much more to human biology than just being biological. 
and you have different perspectives. And I completely uh, uh, support what Rebecca was saying about interdisciplinarity. And I will just quote to her and finish with this before a question, which is that Sidney Brennan, a great hero of mine, uh, uh, said, said that no serious scientist should have a discipline. Uh, <laughs> disciplines are the secondary. What we do is we go out there and we find questions and we move around between disciplines in order to ask those questions. And I think Rebecca showed that. So I'm going to stop there. I've got a question for, for, for uh, which I will now pass on to them. We're supposed to have a, 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 a little chat, uh, and then um, and then we will uh, open this up. Uh, so I have two questions. And the first one is a is a um, is a, an institutional one. If imagine you have uh, you know, a little private dinner with your Vice-Chancellor and you've got one shot telling him or her uh, why, you know, biological anthropology has to be uh, the reason why the university has to expand it. So I'll leave it at that. I think 